up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Quick Slant Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Brady Trantham, as always. And as always, once again, uh, my partner in crime, Mr. Chris Ross. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Another show. It's another show. It's another day. We're an- another day closer to fall camp, which means it's another day closer to the regular season. I believe it's six weeks away. right? I mean, I saw it on Twitter that there's six weeks until OU's opener September 2nd, so... Six weeks, give or take a few days before with all those kickoff games that start on Thursday or whatever of that week. So we're getting there, man. Yeah, I, I think I saw um, what you saw, like six Saturdays or something, which if you count this Saturday, then it's more like five weeks. I don't know. I haven't I haven't been doing the countdown stuff. It's a little too early for that. Um, you know, I start counting it down when we get inside of three weeks, so. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, it's, 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 it's fine to count down for now. I don't know if you saw m- my little tweet about an hour or so ago, about in the last week on ESPN, I have seen drone racing, street fighter competition on Xbox, and today professional competitive cornhole tournament. So it, yeah. it, it's time It's time to start doing the countdown for some should, college football. Should we talk about what sport is, the difference between a game and a sport? A hobby, like a game, a, and a sport. Yeah, I, I mean, this is getting drone racing. What, your thumbs are magically better than other people's thumbs? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it does bring up the whole, are these people actually athletes argument that you always yeah. hear about, like with NASCAR or golf. You know, well, I'll, I'll challenge anybody to walk 18 holes in 98 degree weather. I mean, it's yeah. not the hardest thing in the world to do, but would you do it, A, and with NASCAR drivers, you've got to be in good shape. You have to have some pretty damn good endurance to sit in those cars in that heat, with all that pressure, you know, for yeah, a few no, hours 100%. on end. Yes, I, I they are going driver, fast, and they are just turning left, but... Yeah, NASCAR driver, underrated athlete. Um, I, I'll, I'll give a NASCAR driver. I, my, the difference for me between a game and a sport, all sports are games, but not all games are sports. And the difference is... Athlete, uh, physical involvement. If the, if the majority of the outcome is determined by your physical involvement, then it's a sport. You know, with a ball like chess, it's mostly mental. You, I mean, yes, you have to physically move the piece, but that's not a sport. It's a game. Same thing with esports. In my opinion, if all you're doing is moving your thumbs on a controller, it's largely mental. There's some reaction time involved. I understand that. But it's a game. Are you trying to tell me that fantasy football is not a real sport? I am trying to tell you that, yes. I'm going to have to take that off my resume. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that is honestly not anything we even had planned to talk about. We kind of got off the rails early. Yeah. Hey, might as well just start the crazy train rolling hot that way. Yeah. It's, uh... Wow, that's going to be a good show. <laughs> no, but um, we do have some, I guess, news for the show itself. Um, we will be doing, we'll be having a little bit more fun with the podcast. Um, for those that listened to the last show, um, Chris and I actually, you know, did the show together while we sat at a table and actually got to see each other. From the room. Yeah, yeah, in the same hotel room. And I don't know about you guys listening. To me, it was much easier um, when I am talking to somebody on a computer and they interject. Not Not in a rude way, but, you know, when you're talking to somebody... People are going to talk over each other, but you still the conversation still goes. When you're just at a computer and you can't see somebody's face or body movement, it, it just kind of goes into interview mode where I ask a question, Chris talks, Chris asks a question, then Brady talks. So 
we're going to start doing it in person and we also will start filming to try and utilize the YouTube aspect of the podcast. Yeah, plus the sound. I'll, I'll say that uh, we haven't been entirely happy with the way the sound picks up. If you don't wait for that other person to finish talking, if the other person kind of interrupts, which is, I mean, that's what should happen. This is a discussion. Then the sound kind of cuts out when there's multiple mics involved, you know, with a relay. It, I, I don't know, but I, it's more natural in person. The, the sound quality is better in person. I think that's the direction we have to go. To uh, put this all out there, talking about doing the recording of the show last week from the hotel room, what we're talking about is episode one of Big 12 Days. This is actually episode two. We're going to go over day two. Yes, day two was actually on Tuesday, and now we're recording on uh, Saturday night here. But that is travel. We had to get back to Oklahoma City from Frisco, Texas, and life you know, gets involved. So now we're recording that show right now. Yeah, I don't know about you, man, but I am just now caught up on sleep. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. I had a I had a day where I didn't have to bartend on I think it was Thursday. I didn't have anything to do with uh, Thunder Digest or Land Grant Gauntlet, so I just took that opportunity to just catch up on sleep. And I mean, right now I feel a hundred percent normal, but the all week since we got back, I was exhausted. Yeah, when I got back, it was kind of um, it was a little bit disappointing because it was such a fun environment um being part of big 12 media days with all the media around and 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 just kind of like uh i don't know how to explain it but then when you get back and you're kind of working from i I work out of a home office you know i'm in front of my computer there's no one around that uh it's hard to keep that motivation level you know it's easy to be motivated and be real excited when everybody's around you there's a lot of um, hubbub there's a lot of stuff going on i mean it's, we were talking about this we're, we were just two people and it is impossible for two people to see and catch everything going on at media days it's just a crazy crazy environment it's a ton of fun so wednesday and, and thursday you know you get back and it, the motivation level was it was a little hard to stay motivated because one, like you said, lack of sleep, and then two, because you don't have everything around you kind of amping you up, and, and you know, like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff going on. I need to see what's happening over here. Let's get this out. Oh, let's let's get that post out. You know, that that kind of when you come back and you're you're tired and and it's all over, then yeah, it, it can be hard to stay motivated. Well, it's again with um, football season just getting a little bit closer. Just every day. I mean, the motivation is starting to creep back into my, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, into my head. And, you know, just speaking from, you know, a fan perspective of the, the game of football, you know, media day was always something to look forward to just because there, it was just news. It was football, football's on TV, football's being discussed on the radio. So, in, and in that, it was exciting. But just multiply that times 100 if you're actually there, at, you know, as media. And, you know, and we're still fans. We still love the game of football. That's why we want to cover the damn sport. So we're all in this business because we're fans. Exactly. And so as a just as a regular fan, you know, when I was younger, looking forward to media day, it's exciting the day of. And then it just seems like it ends. And then there's nothing for football for the next four weeks, at least. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but while the motivation kind of over the next few days after returning from Texas was kind of lacking. It's, you know, it's starting to creep back in. I'm starting to watch some old uh, big 12 games on uh, YouTube 
every day. I mean, I just watched uh, Iowa State and Florida State play. I think it was in 2002. Florida State came to Ames and played a game, and I did. I forgot all about mm. that. Yeah, um, I, I don't recall that actually. And Iowa State lost at the. I think on the last one of the last few plays, they couldn't punch it in. Um, but that's interesting. Florida State was in Ames at one point. <laughs> yeah, no, I. You know, I. That that's something I'm gonna have to go back and check out because I I wasn't aware of that game, or I've forgotten it along the way, or whatever happens as as we get older. Um, but but yeah, what did you think of walking in day two, um, to to the star? You know, kind of where where were you at? What did you think? Well, obvious. Other than the obvious lack of sleep, and again, we'll repeat it. We had it five to six hours of combined sleep in those two nights in at the yeah. uh, hotel. So other than more the second day, yeah. Other than, other than the complete lack of um or lack of sleep you know it was just still exciting to go into the venue it was really exciting to see everybody both uh, players coaches and media local and national it was really cool to have an opportunity to rub elbows with guys like Joel Klatt or Matt Leinert Dave Wonstadt um, all the great local guys and friends that we have at uh, the franchise in Oklahoma City Um, other than that it was definitely a more balanced I, I guess in terms of overall excitement from the media uh, of coaching names. I mean, because obviously day one is going to be all about Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Uh, day two was much more balanced. You had uh, Holgerson first, uh, Matt Rule from Baylor, who w- we both are very excited about. We I, I think we both really um, came away very impressed with. Um, Bill Snyder, the legend that is Bill Snyder. And then, of course, it was headlined by um, Tom Herman and Mike Gundy, and Mike Gundy's mullet. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a much more, uh, it was, it was a day that you could, you knew going in, there's going to be a lot more content coming out of this one. That, that mullet is an impressive person, isn't it? It's impressive from a hundred feet. I mean, we were sitting about, <laughs> you know, a good, you know, hundred feet away from the podium, but yeah, it's yeah, still, I mean, just, just walking around an hour and, you know, had, he's walking by and going from interview to interview. It's, it's pretty impressive. It had an aura about it, I'll admit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but nope. it's other, you know, but other than just the coaching itself, and I told you this the day of, the most interesting thing that came out of that day were the rule changes. Yeah, I mean, that, I, you know, he kind of, Walt Anderson came out, and the Big 12 coordinator for officials came out, and, uh, he basically said there weren't a lot of rule changes, and it was being minor this year, not a lot going on. But I don't and know. And then he I mean, proceeded wait, wait, to do wait. the opposite. <laughs> right? I mean, to me, and, and maybe that, maybe it won't be, but to me, they seem like pretty substantial changes. You know, shortening halftime. And, and, and halftime is still 20 minutes, but it was a hard 20 minutes. Before, you know, it was 20 minutes on the clock, but by the time you cleared the fields and by the time – and the clock actually started and then the fields, the teams came back and warmed up and the media had all their timeouts and, and, you know, the halftime, the homecoming wrapped up its production, you know, it could be 40 minutes, but now it's a hard 20 minutes. The clock starts as soon as the referee basically blows the wind, the whistle to in the first half, that halftime has started and it's 20 minutes and the bands, you know, the teams have to get on the field. The bands have to get on the field. How much will, you know, will this shorten the show there? 
Same thing with timeouts. You know, there's no more extended timeouts for media. There's no more, you know, extended timeouts for on the field activities, you know, like, uh, you know, recognition, you know, team recognitions or um, alumni recognitions, you know, there's no more extended timeouts. So how that works will be really interesting. And I get it. Like, you know, this is all because games keep approaching that four hour clock and everybody's looking for a way to kind of shorten that. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the whole problem with um, game length is just a lot of it you can't really do anything about as an official or from a rule from a rule standpoint. Conferences that run spread offenses are probably going to last. The games are going to last longer because the ball is going to hit the ground much more frequently than than conferences that just want to do the two yards in a cloud of dust and the clock is just continuously moving. Mm-hmm. So you can't really do anything about that. Um, the the constant replaying that everybody complains about that I complain about where it's especially in the Big Twelve where it seems like any play that has any type of semblance of that can be debated well let's spend five minutes and review the damn thing that is that's the biggest thing that needs to change and I know they're with these new you know rule change implements they're trying to do it the problem is, is there's every year is going to present a new challenge it's going to present. Um, well, something that will need to be tweaked in the following off season, but um, I mean, nothing really that I have a problem with, basically. Yeah. Well, the replay center, um, which was also you know talked about uh, on Tuesday, with uh, replays now being reviewed in a national center, and you know that should help speed that process up. Whether or not uh, it needs to be reviewed, you know, they'll be. He talked about the unofficial what kind of. Um, stand in front of the ball and the reason that's done is because they're giving just a couple seconds for the replay center to kind of get a different a couple different tv angles and you know if that call doesn't come then they're right to the next play so and and then the fact that you know with a do call for replay you know they can already be reviewing it and we don't have to wait for the for the official to go to the sidelines and watch it and all that so hopefully that process does get sped up a little bit yeah but I'll just tell you this: football does not have a baseball problem where people are actually wanting the sport, the game to end. It's the networks, it's the TV money that's wanting these games to end in a timely fashion. I don't think anybody would complain about a football game that went into triple overtime. That'd be exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's uh, that's probably true. But probably, <laughs> but probably, and before we get into what I think is the most important rule change, I guess we'll we'll discuss yeah. the, the other one. Um, which is you can no longer jump um, over a player, the line of scrimmage, to uh, block a kick. You can jump the gap, but in terms of like a safety, you know, getting a five-yard, you know, head start in the back and then running towards the line of scrimmage and then jumping over somebody, in years past, as long as you didn't touch somebody or land on a player, you were fine, but now you can no longer just jump. So, I mean, I I have no problem with that uh, because – after you know 10 12 years of watching football if anything is blocked if a kick is blocked it's from a defensive tackle right up the middle or it's from somebody on the perimeter just jumping is to me is just showy it's just way too show offy it hardly ever works so i'm all for player safety on this one yeah but i i don't know if it hardly ever works the the is a rule that because I mean how many players have gotten hurt off of it? Can you think of one player that's been injured doing it? 
Well, no, but it's it's certainly something that you don't want. You don't want you don't want something like this to happen. Like you don't want a Roy Williams breaking Terrell Owens' um, ankle to force you to go. Okay, now we need to have a horse collar rule. You don't want somebody no. to, you know, land very awkwardly and just shatter their leg on national TV. You don't because. It's obviously but, but that could. can happen dying for a catch, you know, just the same way. This at a certain point, football, the physical sport, and if we're not talking about a injury and we're talking about a player, you know, taking a chance on a, on a ball, you know, I, I I don't I I don't know if I have really anything against it. I to me, it's more about I you know I I don't really understand why the rule is coming about, uh, especially if you can just hop the gap anyway. And for everybody listening, the hop the gap is if the linebacker or whoever is lined up um, in between, kind of standing back off, and you got two linemen down, and he kind of times it right. He can place his hands on one on each shoulder of the lineman and kind of uh, catapult himself use, through. Yeah, kind of catapult his his uh, himself through as long as his feet don't touch the shoulder pads as he kind of hops over them. It's fine. It's perfectly legal. If that's legal, then then I don't really understand. Unless it's for kicker protecting the kicker, then then I don't really understand it. If it's for protecting the kicker and they're kind of a, in a defenseless situation, then I 100 percent support that. But I don't know how many kickers have been injured in that scenario. So uh, yeah, grammatic. None of those grammaticas. They would uh, they just get hurt celebrating. So I guess no <laughs> kicker celebration. Um, speaking of, I mean, I just brought up the horse collar and I actually just forgot about it until I brought up the horse collar. Um, players can no longer even grab the nameplate, um, on the back of a Jersey to pull just, they can't even pull your Jersey down. No, I I like this rule a lot. This, they, they showed several examples of this, of, you know, grabbing and basically just grabbing the Jersey. It's basically the exact same as a horse collar, but your tech, you know, because of a technicality where you got a fistful of jersey just on the outside of the, of the horse, it still works the same way. It's it's still the same tackle, you know. I, I'm kind of for that one. Yeah, but the problem is with all the uh, changes they tried to make to shorten these games, that's going to get called about three or four times a game, and in effect, it's going to slow the game down. Uh, this is going to take a, a a year or so for players to understand. Okay, if he's run past you, you can't you can't reach out and grab him at this point. It's going to get yeah, called. We, it's going to get called a handful of times. Him. Yeah, you, you definitely can't, you know, grab them that way. But like I said, I I'm for it, and, and that's uh, to me that's a safety issue. Um, it was you know kind of players tackling in that in that manner where they're just grabbing the the back of the jersey, basically right next to the collar, and just a fistful. There's, I mean, it's the same exact tackle, and if they're just trying to do the same quote-unquote unlegal ta- illegal tackle but get away with it with the technicality it's kind of in in my opinion against the spirit of the rule so the fact that they've come out and kind of changed that i'm i'm all for it i thought it was kind of interesting that the play that they would show us is they'd show us examples on the big screen during yeah. all these rule changes the one play they'd show us on this horse new jersey horse collar rule is uh was Baker Mayfield getting pulled down and it just kind of screamed the Big 12 saying, "Do not injure our Heisman Trophy candidates, please." <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but, that probably had a little bit of something to do with it. <laughs> but the most I guess 
earth-shattering rule change and possible rules. I mean, it's 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 a rule change, but the possibility that this could uh, really play a huge part in uh, the um, in some random game next year um, or throughout the season will be coaches can now be thrown out for basically either walking onto the field to protest a call to uh, argue with an official. Now I'm sure that they could walk out. I'm sure that I'm sure coaches can walk out to get an explanation as long as they're not, um, I guess, aggressive. You know, because you always see coaches from time to time just walk closer to an official as they're walking towards them to just kind of have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But no more of these Nick Saban, you know, ass chewings. No more Dana Holgerson um, getting all flamboyant on his uh, Red Bull withdrawals on the sideline. Um, <laughs> from what I understand, it kind of. The what Walt Anderson was kind of saying, it kind of reminds me of uh, technicals in the NBA now. Um, coaches will be flagged for, un, I guess, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty, and then can be thrown out. So basically, you can get a technical, and then if you get teed up again, you're out. Yeah, um, by the way, Holgerson, he's a monster man now. Oh, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he signed that contract with Monster, so... Um, we'll see. It's a great capitalist. Uh, Red Bull, he had a Red Bull fridge with him on the sidelines before, so we'll see if that uh, if Monster hooks him up with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, this is another rule that I am really I, – I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't I don't agree with it. Now, of course, one of the examples I showed, I believe it was Coach uh, Belima, you know, at Arkansas, or he was like camped out center field and just berating the referee up and down, just going after him, attacking him. Obviously, that should not be acceptable. But it, I mean, it was kind of funny. But but other examples they showed, to, in my opinion, really aren't a big deal. We're talking about a coach te- stepping two or three feet off the sideline and yelling at the official. And Walt Anderson said, you know, now that's going to get you a flag. And if it gets you a second flag, then you're out of the game. In my opinion, you know, the referees have very little accountability. And I get it. I get why. You know, there a lot of them. This is part-time work for them. Uh, they still have other jobs. They're, they're not kind of in this. Um, they're not in this career to be in the spotlight. But there's so little accountability when there's a bad call or a bad play or something like Oklahoma State and Central Michigan, and there's no press conference afterwards. They don't have to. They don't have to answer for their actions to the media. They don't. They don't have to do anything. We just. We have no answers ever. And now we're talking about those the people that that make these calls. Now they're saying, well, the the coach can no longer disagree with us either. The, to me, that's that's absolute. I mean. I, I don't like it. It's it's. We try to keep this podcast clean, but <laughs> I, I I'm not a fan of that rule. Football is a very passionate sport. Some of these coaches, they're in games where they're coaching for their job in that game, and if you're telling me a bad call is the difference in that game, and they're not allowed to react to it, or or maybe it's not even the difference in the game. You're in the first quarter and there's a bad call, but this this team is under a lot of pressure, or, or you got a team like Oklahoma State. Or OU or Kansas State, and they're you know in it to win it all, and you're talking about a bad call putting behind the eight ball in a game. Those coaches are just supposed to sit there and take it. Now I understand that they don't. It's not always a bad call. Sometimes it's it's a good call, but the that descent that I mean, referees have to be held accountable. And when those coaches, 
you know, no, no referee has ever picked up a flag and said, oh, never mind. Sorry, coach. But what it does is it lets the official know that, you know, these officials, they're not out here trying to mess up on purpose. But when they make a mistake and and a head coach lets them, you know, lets them know about it, then it can kind of get in their head. You know, and it can kind of, uh, you know, the makeup call, quote unquote. And whether you think the makeup call is fair or not fair, you know, it happens. And maybe it happens for good measure. But in my opinion, what's next? Are, are we going to start, you know, finding, uh, finding schools or warning the head coach if fans boo too loud when the when they don't like a call the the, the official makes? I mean, it's real. It's you, you got to be careful about. And I mean, I, I said the same thing to you, but just from you know playing devil's advocate, you got to be careful with you know going the complete you know you know fall, trying to follow that hypothetical road. Like, what's next? You always got to be careful. I understand where this rule is coming from. My question is, how is it going to be enforced? Are, are, ref, are referees just going to you know like this, this is what it says on paper? But I'm gonna let you say I'm gonna I'm gonna let you cuss at me just as long as it's not overboard. But what is overboard from from different officiating crew to different officiating crew? Coaches are going to have to learn how they can work uh, officials. Um, going back to the little basketball um, connection I made, I could definitely see coaches now using you know this personal foul thing to kind of rev up the team, rev up the crowd. If the stadium if the home stadium is a little dead. If the team is playing a little flat, just like you see in basketball, you'll see a coach just, you know, probably overreact to a simple call, but just to wake his team up and wake the fans up. I can definitely see mm-hmm. that happening now. But, I mean, I'll tell you this. If if it's the Big 12 title game and, you know, Mike Gundy or Lincoln Riley or Bill Snyder – well, Bill Snyder would never do that um, – or Tom Herman, if any of them are thrown out of a game of that magnitude – while because basketball is different, you can you can play you know a half without your head coach. There's only t- five players out there at any given time. Football's much different. It requires more coaching. It requires more on the field uh, mm-hmm. motivation, uh, thinking on your feet. It, there's so many more factors. I believe, in my opinion, and I love the NBA and I love covering the NBA. But there's so many more um, factors that go into a singular football game. You take away. Um, a top head coach out of an important game, there will be there will especially be hell to coach, pay. There will be hell to pay. Yeah, especially when the head coach is responsible for situational play calling, which can be crucial in a big game. Yeah, if Lincoln, if Link, I, I mean, I don't Lincoln Riley at this point in his career, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would even. I mean, Dana Holgerson's definitely a guy that I could see just because of the examples that we've seen over the years. Uh, Mike Gundy, no. Lincoln Riley, no. Tom Herman, I, I don't think don't really think so but but see I, I disagree because i have seen gundy get heated and and i've seen you know the fans react to it the the uh i especially after the central michigan game you know the oklahoma state fans were so done with officials after that game that any kind of bad call just brought booze raining down and anytime Mike Gundy got fired up and started pointing a finger and getting onto the center official, you know, and he would take three or four steps out. That's what we're talking about. That that's what Mike Anderson or you know, that's uh Walt Anderson, I'm sorry, Walt Anderson was talking about. You know, we're not talking about, you know, 
everyone that gets shown on TV. We're talking. I mean, sometimes these coaches are just standing off the sideline anyway. They're kind of technically in the field of play, you know, just when they're kind of watching what's going on. Now we're talking about, you know, they start pointing at this interstitial or any kind of disagreement, and they're flagged for it. See, I, I, hopefully it doesn't get taken to that level, but that's kind of what I got out of Tuesday. Is it going to be a? Are we going to reach a point where? Um, you know, a coach like a review could happen to see if a coach walked too far onto the field when he was trying to argue a call in between plays. Are we going to get maybe. to that point where it's like, okay, you can walk two yards onto the field, but you take a another step, it's a it's a it's a unnecessary or whatever a personal foul call. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a fan, not a fan at all. Yeah, it's 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 silly. I I really I really don't know. I kind of know where it's coming from because there are times where, you know, and I'll keep saying Saban, there are times where Saban just looks, I mean, first of all, Saban just looks funny because what, he's 5'6", and he's surrounded (laughs) by athletes that are all 6'4", 250, and bigger, and he's screaming at them like, (laughs) you know, and it's just like, well, dude, (laughs) they could crush you if they wanted, but, you know, I mean, Saban is a hell of a coach. He's one of the probably the best coach in college football history, considering what he's been <laughs> I, able to I do. I could spend all but, afternoon watching Saban uh, yell at uh, Lane Kiffin. Oh yeah, that, that I am going to miss that. <laughs> God, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, other than the rule changes, everything else was pretty. Um, I guess yeah, status I mean, quo. I mean, if you could say status quo, considering that there were two uh, brand new head coaches, uh, one of them at the flagship school of the Big 12, the University of Texas, and Tom Herman, which um, that's what everybody was pretty much waiting for. Herman pretty much had a, I mean, it, he seemed like a rock star, not not necessarily the way he, from anything he said or the way he kind of presented himself, but just more so from the media paparazzi entourage that just followed him everywhere he went. But that's going to come That's gonna come when you're the new head coach well, of the University of Texas. His, uh, what did you think of him? On to, uh, you know, there he, you know, he took the stage first. Um, he came out. Uh, what, what was your overall impression of Tom Herman? Overall impression. I mean, he's he's definitely a guy that I can see you can get fired up to play for, and as a fan, you get fired up that he's leading your program. I get all that, but I will say one thing that did stick out for me that I thought was funny. Um, that guy from the New York Times that he asked it um, both days um, to the Texas head coach, the te- state of Texas head coaches about how <laughs> embarrassing or shameful it was. Yes, that, Patterson yeah. did it for yeah. Yeah, that no Texas school finished in the top 25 for the first time in so many years or ever. I can't actually remember. And Herman pretty much cut him off and tried to one-up him by saying, oh, didn't I thought we did. I thought Houston did last year. He said, he and, said yeah, did, did Houston not finish in the top 25? And, and it's like, no, they finished 38th in the AP, but you know, I'll give Herman <laughs> some credit. In his mind, probably before he checked out, Mentally, I'm yeah. sure Houston was still ranked. <laughs> He's like, well, maybe if you know, I kept trying, they probably would have been ranked. Well, yeah. Well, I beat Oklahoma. We're we were about six and one, or we're six and zero. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go get the Texas job now. Bye, guys. I mean, so- sorry, Ed Oliver. I'm so sorry. You're a five star super athlete. You're stuck at has, Houston now. <laughs> has any coach gotten more mileage out of a non conference, not even a bowl game, but just a regular non conference, you know, early season game? Has any coach gotten more mileage out of a win than Herman has gotten over Oklahoma? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I, I will I will say for to his credit, 
I mean, Herman also, with that OU game, he had just come off, Houston had just come off a shellacking Florida State in the Peach Bowl. So they definitely had a pedigree of this guy can coach, this guy can get his team prepared at least, especially against teams that are, I mean, not just on paper, but in reality that are more talented than his team. So I still get it. But, yeah, it is a little – I feel bad for the players at Houston that were obviously looking forward to playing a school like Oklahoma on the big stage in a season opener – because yeah. it seemed like it seemed like uh, just from everything that kind of transpired, and this is revisionist history, of course, and maybe I'm looking at this from the most pessimistic pessimistic view possible, but it just seemed like while his players were looking forward to the opportunity of playing Oklahoma and beating Oklahoma, Herman was looking at it as this is my springboard to Texas. Yeah, um, most definitely, I think so. I mean, my impression of him was I liked everything he had to say. I liked his attitude about winning and losing as a competitor, as someone that grew up playing sports my whole life. Um, I, I'm very much that way. You know, like I cannot stand to lose. I'm competitive in everything I do, and to a fault. And and I loved hearing him say that. That said. He does seem to have a chip on his shoulder that everybody in the media did not really appreciate, I will say. Um, I'm not going to name names, but one other media member, um, (laughs) when used an adjective to describe Tom Herman, his adjective was punchable. You know, so – you know, and I kind of agree. You know, like to – I mean not that anybody's going to go around punching Tom Herman, but – he, he's a little bit smug. He's a little bit um, – he just has a chip on his shoulder that's not proven yet. You know, he, he he came in. He's the top dog. He's at Texas. And I, and I get all that. And I get the mindset of in having to have that mindset. But for your first Big 12 media days um, – it, it so I, I just know it was off-putting a little bit to, to some people in the media. Um, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Well, or disagree? I mean, you know why that is, right? The Mensa member. Well, it, no, he's got to make everybody. He's got to let everybody know. It's all because it's all because Bob Stoops made Tom Herman pay, in, or he had, had he uh, split that bill when Herman was too poor to pay for, you know, a hundred dollar piece of steak where he had to eat a um, burger. Did you ever read this story? No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, uh, back when Herman was an assistant coach for some somebody or a low a lowly ranking assistant coach wherever he was, he went to a coach's clinic and Bob Stoops was there. And this came, this story came out around the uh, OU game last year. Okay. And Bob was there. A few other coaches were there. They all went to this nice restaurant. And um, the whole point of the story was Herman was trying to say like where he kind of came from, his roots. And he said that he looked at the menu and he couldn't really afford anything other than a burger. So he gets a burger while Bob and everybody else gets all these nice fancy steaks. And apparently Bob Stoops said instead of everybody paying for their specific meal, he said, let's just split it all evenly. And obviously when everybody's getting you know 70 or $80 steaks and Herman's over here getting a $15 burger and you split it all down, you split it all down the middle, well, his you know, his ticket's going to be higher than the $15 that he probably paid for. So that was kind of his chip on the shoulder in terms of just Bob Stoops. That story in itself is so stupid. I highly doubt that that actually happened. I highly doubt that anybody would do that. Even 
I mean, I live in Norman and I see Bob Stoops' castle every day and it's a little, it's a little, uh, what's the word? Let me think of a good word. I probably can't think of a good word. It's a, it's a little, um, unnecessary, (laughs) but I guess, I mean, if you have that much money, go ahead, build a huge house. But I still having said that, I highly doubt that Bob would do, Bob Stoops would do something like that. Oh, you're not, you don't have that much money. Well, I'm going to make you pay more for your meal. Uh, I, so maybe all this chip on the shoulder, smug attitude is manufactured. But you if, know, it, if it, it works, it if works. That happen, even if that did happen, who's to say that that Bob didn't realize that not everybody got a steak or or not everybody's you know that's, suffering that's what I'm financial saying. issues. I mean, yeah. that's that's what I'm saying. And if not, then Herman, that's your fault for not speaking up, saying, "Guys, I don't have any money." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, F that, by the way, I, I am a QB consultant for, for Southern, <laughs> like Southern yeah. Montana Tech. I do not have the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold up. I need to call the waiter back over. I need yeah. a steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but again, going back to your original question, I mean, yes, I definitely got that. Um, I did appreciate how he really took a pragmatic view on this season. He basically tried to not warn people because at the end of the day, he's coaching to win and he's wanting the best out of this team that he could possibly get. But at the same time, he said things like, we need playmakers at quarterback, wide receiver, running back, playmakers on tight defense, end. tight end. And without saying we don't have that, he pretty much said we don't have any of those. <laughs> it's year yeah, one. No, I, I do think that he was in a kind of a subtle way. He is t- trying to um, temper expectations. If, if anybody thinks that Texas is back this year, uh, they're probably in for another rude awakening. Well, Joe Tessitore it's, thought that they were back last year. I don't know if you heard. Well, you know, <laughs> I was right there with them. I thought they were back last year too. It didn't work. I, you know, I had some pro on that one. I bought into the hype. But if you look at roster and their depth chart, and even with all the hype with Herman, and and I believe that you know he's got them in it going in a good direction. Um, but th- this is a team definitely still in the making, and they're without some very key pieces that are, you know, that a Tom Herman offense relies on. So I-, I do think that this is not going to, you know, just be a flip of a switch and Texas is back. It's going to take a season or two. Next season, it could be real interesting. But this year, I mean, I don't have them really jumping anybody except maybe TCU. I, I still think that, you know, between Oklahoma State, OU, Kansas State, West Virginia, um, there's really not anywhere for them to go up the rankings. So if, you, if you're thinking that Texas is back and they're going to contend for the Big 12, you might want to just reel that in a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, but saying, you know, having said all that, from what we've seen, and it, it is very limited, and from also that includes you know him mentally checking out on a program that he was leading. Um, from what we've seen, he's the guy that you would want you know coaching your team to uh, build your program back up. So I understand the, the exi- I understand the excitement that Texas fans have. I understand that um, a program like Texas can get any athlete that they pretty much want. Especially if they have a coach that can recruit, and Herman's definitely Herman's definitely seems like that type of coach. So um, patience is going to be out, key. Yeah, the one thing I would watch out for if you're a Longhorn fan is there are some rumors that that Tom Herman is a really 
Um, he's a tough coach to play under. He, he demands a lot. He expects a lot, and he and he, he rides his guys really, really hard. And, you know, with the whole winner and loser, the winners eat steak. They get, you know, nice amenities and stuff like that. And the losers get slop. and The losers you know, eat burgers and have to pay for everybody else's steak. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Stoops is so mean. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that he does that and the fact that, you know, there, there's going to be growing pains. If this team loses early, you know, is it these guys – that's going to be the problem with a coach like he, that. He did not recruit these guys. These are not his guys. And so if they come in and, and they, you know, can he keep the locker room together? It, you know, there is a chance here that if he keeps riding him to the degree he is, if he if he's this tough on him now and they start losing, do they just give up on him? Well, you know, that, that would be, if you're a Longhorn fan, kind of look for that. That's going to be the problem with coaches that are quote unquote hard to play for because they demand so much. A, a coach like Nick Saban, a coach like I mean, I don't, I don't. Bob Stoops never really struck me as a coach that would be hard to play. I'm sure there were times where he'd wrote wrote a player or two, but definitely not the type of a Nick Saban kind of hard to play for. But mm-hmm. Saban can get away with that because he's got titles, he's got legacy. So co- so players yeah. players understand that players understand that they don't necessarily have a lot of room to. Uh, kind of fall back on when they're trying it's to argue a, with the coach in the moment but a player a coach like Herman who really hasn't proven anything other than he can get a team motivated to play one team on their schedule a team a team that may not be putting all their effort into that game themselves and beat them you know that's all he's pretty much shown mm-hmm. um if there isn't immediate success and, and when I say immediate success I mean if they go if they have another losing season it's got. He better be a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, I mean, so far recruiting is going well for Texas, so give him that. But even you know, to the Nick Saban argument, these guys, they went to Alabama knowing that's what they were going to get. The guys that at Texas right now did not go to Texas to play for Tom Herman. You know, it's not to say Charlie Strong was some friendly. You know, no, everybody's no. friend. That guy demanded a lot as himself. But he more, was a player's coach. Yeah, he's a player's coach, but he more he more so demanded stuff off the field. You don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Conduct yourself this way, and you will be able to play on Saturday, basically. So um, it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic to look forward to with this Texas program. I mean, we've already talked about Texas for about 15 minutes now. I mean, we, I still, need, we still need to, I mean, give a few minutes on Matt Rule, then, of course, uh, Mike Gundy, his time, and even Bill Snyder. Um, but just one another, I guess, to wrap Texas up, basically, um, there's a lot of hype with the job. There certainly is, and you can just tell from the media that we're following him, you know, just attached to the hip, it, it seemed like. Um, but any time that that comes, you better have the success. And while Charlie Strong didn't have the success that Texas fans wanted and Texas fans craved, um, I will tell you this. As an OU fan, he certainly had his boys ready every time in the Cotton Bowl. He certainly prepared his team or got his team prepared for those big games. Can Herman do that at Texas when everybody's giving him their best shot and it's not the other way around? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, or, or how he handles the pressure because he is a guy with a little bit of an ego. Um, can he handle the pressure from the media if they don't win right away? 
that would be something or does he get kind of combative and closed off and yeah because there's no springboard to a better job from texas texas is the better job yeah but i guess that that'll do it for the boys down in austin uh i guess really quick on matt rule and bill snyder matt rule let's go holgerson was next up holgerson yeah I mean, Holgerson didn't really, you know, West Virginia's going to be in the top four, like, you know, both both you and I agree. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything really of note. It was pretty status quo. Um, I thought the most interesting thing that was brought up was just, um, you know, no, no more Red Bull, but that wasn't even at his press conference. Um, yeah, yeah, that was later in the week, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. West Virginia is West Virginia. He's very he's very excited about Will Greer as as is seemingly every single Mountaineer fan. <laughs> I mean, he is the I, second coming of Joe I, Montana. I'm hearing this kid can play some ball. Yeah, I, I mean, if you thought you've seen football being played, you're so wrong. <laughs> Just follow. nobody has ever played football or attempted to play football or paid attention to football or done anything about football outside of the state of West Virginia until this year. This quarterback who was at best solid at Florida. Granted, that offense isn't very sophisticated, and I'm sure he'll look a ton better playing in a wide-open spread offense in West Virginia. But this quarterback that looked at best solid is all of a sudden going to tell Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield, you guys suck, move over. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between – there's a big gap between Skylar Howard and regardless of what the raspy kid, the raspy voice kids say, there's a big gap between Skylar Howard and Baker Mayfield or Mason Rudolph. And, you know, just because Will Greer's good, that doesn't mean he's at the front of the line. And Clint Trickett was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they've had good quarterbacks. I mean, let's, I mean, they've had good quarterbacks, you know, Smith, you know, um, but to, there's so much hype in, and this is kind of, what I would say to West Virginia fans is nobody cares in July. You don't have to prove it to anybody because if it's true and everybody's going to know it by December. And if it's not true, you're going to look like an idiot. You don't see a lot of OSU and OU fans claiming how great Mason Rudolph or Baker Mayfield are. People already know this. It's been proven on the field. Yeah, and I get it. West Virginia, they're eager. They're excited about the season. I love it. I love that passion. But you don't have to convince everybody in July. July doesn't matter. The best thing for West Virginia, and Holgerson even talked about it, um, he kind of went through the first few years in the Big 12 and how it compares to now is the depth. Mm -hmm. The thing with West Virginia is on, you know, they're, they're extremely talented across the board, but it was shallow talent. They didn't have a lot of guys that were power five, you know, in the two deep or the three deep, especially. So when, you know, the attrition wore in injury set in and, you know, other programs like Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma state are finding better players midway through the year that didn't necessarily start at the beginning of the year. West Virginia is still playing those guys that have been starting since day one that aren't hurt. And they just can't keep up basically by the time, you know, late October, November rolls around. So the thing with West Virginia is always just being able to put put it all together. And now Holgerson was much more confident with the depth that he has moving forward into this season. And I, I certainly agree with him. All the transfers, yeah. Yeah, the transfers, uh just being in the in the conference for you know, for the amount of time, uh the familiarity I, with the coaches and the players and the uh, regional recruiting. 
I'd have to double check this, but I think I saw they have 11 transfers starting this year. That's Which incredible. It could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. But for <laughs> West Virginia, from where they're coming from, it's a good thing because they have to yeah. start somewhere. I, I think his quote was that uh, he's gotten to where he doesn't even really, if they miss a, on a kid in recruiting, and yeah, they, they like recruiting, they pay attention to that, but if they miss on a kid, he it doesn't keep him up because he knows he can always go get somebody out of the JUCO ranks or you know, some sort of transfer and bring someone into the program and be just fine. I thought that was kind of interesting. I also thought was interesting is he talked a lot about Oklahoma State and his time under Gundy, and he called Gundy kind of old school. And I don't know if I think of Gundy as being old school. What do you think? I've kind of always seen Mike Gundy as an old school coach. That doesn't necessarily mean that his his play calling or his football philosophy like on the field is mm. is you know two yards in a cloud of dust but the way that he does um that he runs the coaching staffs I feel is very old school there's a lot of continuity on the staff I mean I know coaches still have come and gone in a Gundy's what now 12 year tenure at Oklahoma State I mean that's going to happen anytime you have yeah. success yeah. for that for that long you're going to have coaches you know cherry picked here and there but the way that he kind of um deals with the media deals with the players um, very old school to me. Um, he he's he's kind of delving true. into you know he's kind of trying to bridge the gap between like the old guard and the new guard of like social mm-hmm. media with the big daddy mug uh, with the mullets. What probably nobody's the, doing social media better than Oklahoma State. Probably yeah, probably the best line of day two was Mike Gundy saying that he deserved an extension and a raise for all the extra marketing he's brought to Oklahoma State because of his damn hair. <laughs> yeah, everybody, he said his hair was worth a million dollars, and everybody just kind of started snickering. And then it was like he laid out the reasoning for it, and there was a collective, all right, he, you know, he has a point. He might be right. His yeah. hair might be worth a million dollars. No, but, yeah, I mean, having, I mean, with West Virginia, they are what they are, and I, th- I think, very highly of them. I thought very highly of them going into the season uh, last season. Um, mm. I certainly think on paper, um, the quarterback position is going to be improve an improvement. Although I did, I didn't necessarily think that that was the thing that was keeping West Virginia back. Now it's certainly going to help them in, in some games, but when you have, when you have Oklahoma score 28 points in the first quarter at, you know, in Morgantown, when you have games like that, it doesn't. It really doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It, it was just simply Oklahoma had better athletes across the field, all over the field. And now yeah. maybe the gap is a little bit, a um, little bit, um, a little tighter now between West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, I you know I, I will say in the the final games there last season, you saw where Howard struggled and when he struggled, the team struggled. So I do think that there is, you know, some validity to kind of putting that on Howard. And I think you know we've seen Holgerson kind of put a little blame on him. You know, he's he kind of said you know well we're gonna have imp- improved quarterback play now that Howard's gone. You know, he's kind of been more open about that that, you know, they were kind of limited in what they could do um, because of the guy behind center, and now they have Greer coming in. And, you know, it was kind of a roundabout way, but he was definitely talking about Skylar Howard. And um, so I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I do think expectations are very high with that coaching staff. I think they believe they have a really, really good team. And 
and and they should. You know, they they could. I, I could see them getting third in the conference. I don't know if they're going to go to the Big Twelve title game, but I definitely see them as a dark horse for sure. Just just a caution to fans: don't always scapegoat the quarterback that's leaving. And it's really yeah. easy to it's really easy to do that to say that's why we lost two or three games that we should have won. Now we have this kid coming in. We'll win those games, but be very careful when you do that because you could be disappointed. But I still feel West Virginia is a 9-10 win team, um, and it will certainly do well in the uh, grand scheme of things in the Big 12 if they do beat Virginia Tech. So uh, go Mountaineers. Yeah, we definitely need that one. <laughs> um, on to uh, – we Bill Snyder deserves more time, but nothing really – Nothing really there. No one really asked him any um, hard questions or big questions. I mean, a lot of it had to do with, uh, what's his name, uh, France, uh, Franz, is that his yeah. kid's name, that uh, came out to his uh, teammates that he was, in fact, gay, um, which is, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, a couple, it, it's, you know what's weird is Cliff uh, Kingsbury was asked about that. Yeah, the, the, young, the young hip coach was asked about that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little... I don't know. A little <laughs> odd. Um, but hey, hey Cliff, you're press- wearing really tight Express clothing <laughs> from, or suits from Express. Uh, so how do you feel about players being gay in college football? Yeah, <laughs> you know, in, in Kingsbury handled that really, really well. Yeah. But I, I, I thought it was weird that no one outside of Kansas State was asked about that except for Cliff Kingsbury. And it, it kind of, I you know, kind of saw a look on Kingsbury's face, like, what? I don't know, I don't care. What do you want me to say? You know, like, I mean, Jeez, guys, I'm not going to have them many more of these Big Twelve media days, and you're asking me <laughs> stuff. like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they played, they freaking played a breakup song on his walk-up music. Oh, so. <laughs> wow, that that was pretty brutal. We were looking at each other like, um, this is awkward. Uh, no, but before we go any further. Um, meant to do this earlier in the show. We got a, you know, what do they say, printer retraction, and, and all for the sake of transparency. We're oh, not yes. deleting any tweets, but we do want to, um, we do want to say that in our first podcast, we said that Matt, uh, Coach Campbell, Iowa State, was not asked any questions. You know, he came out and uh, and we kind of walked into it, you know, as it was. Uh, kind of ongoing in progress and then we kind of walk up and they're like there's crickets and then uh the speaker said okay coach i guess they're gonna let you off easy you know thanks for having me that kind of thing and we were like looking at each other like wow nobody asked a question to coach campbell that that's crazy well we're a little bit wrong on that um as we said you know we were working on two hours of sleep there's a lot going on um, in Big 12 Mini Days, it's it's a zoo. You got player interviews going on. You have coaches interviews. You got the guy at the podium. You have radio interviews going on behind your back. There, there's everybody walking around. It's a madhouse. It's just a blur. But when we go, when we back through, went back through through the quotes and through the notes, he was asked a couple of questions. He just wasn't asked very many, and he was definitely let out early. That that still stands there. But uh, we just wanted to, to put that out there. He was asked a couple of questions. They were very uh, generic questions, nothing nothing too earth-shattering or groundbreaking, um, but just wanted to clarify that. When you're trying to build a brand like we are with Land Grant Gauntlet, uh, Big 12 Media Day is definitely something you want to bring at least three people to. Not to I mean, we, yeah. we, did, we did as good of a job as we could have done. But considering, Not knowing what we're walking into. Yeah, considering 
everything took place on the field and ev- media players, coaches, I mean, mascots playing football with each other, cheerleaders walking around, just all these cool, you know, video moments, I mean, picture you, moments. You go take a piss and you walk away, walk away and the guy waiting on you is Matt Leiner. You know, you're like, holy yeah. crap. Even the bathroom is interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on, yeah. and you want to capture as much as you can uh, of the atmosphere, of the vibe, of the news that actually, of the you know the substantial news that comes out for Media Day. It's definitely something that we needed. Maybe a person, another, an extra person or two. So potential yep. writers out there, if you want to take this ish seriously, um, join in and uh, yeah, we we are looking for contributors. So if you're listening to this, you ever thought about that? We're definitely looking for contributors and we will definitely be bringing more people with us next year. Oh, yeah. If we're provided the opportunity, you know, I want to give, this is also another segue to what I wanted to do earlier. I want to give a big, big thanks to the big 12 for having us. It was incredible. The, the accommodations were top notch. Everything from the hotel to the shuttle to the venue was just amazing. Um, so a big thanks to the big 12 that, conference. That hotel was very, very nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Big 12. It was, um, <laughs> you know, I hate to say that it was a dream come true, um, because people do this professionally and, uh, we weren't there yeah. to have fun, but nope, we started the, from the bottom. Now we're here in my parents' basement recording a podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but it was, you know, as somebody trying to break into the business in an unorthodox way, I didn't figure out I wanted to do this till after I friggin' graduated in college. Uh, kids, figure out what Same. you want to do much earlier in life. It's much easier for you. Um, 100% true. But as somebody trying to break into the business, it was both a great opportunity and it was it was just flat out fun. So thank you so much, Big 12, for letting us go. Um, hopefully you we didn't cause too much of a stir or... I'm sure no one really knows that we were there, except for <laughs> except for our few local media friends and our new friends yeah. that we made. Um, but yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to go, and I'm so glad Chris got to join me, or that I got to yeah. join Chris. This is your website. <laughs> <laughs> this is my- yeah, no, I mean it, it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and you know, big props to the Big Twelve and and really everybody. You know, everybody from more traditional media. Everybody we interacted with was really, really great, especially the guys. I'm not going to go name names or anything like that, but the guys at the franchise um, radio station out of Oklahoma City, um, 1077. If you guys aren't listening to them, you definitely need to do that. Those guys are all fantastic, um, very helpful. I mean, it just just a great time. We can get back to the coach speak and, and, and talking to you know what what we got from the coaches, but kind of meant to do that earlier in the show, so wanted to make sure we got that in. Podcast. The good thing about podcasts is sometimes they're spontaneous. We have notes. I mean, I always have notes in front of me, but you know, people want to listen. They don't want to listen to like bullet point A, bullet point B. You know. Hey, we got off track in like the first ten seconds of the show. There's so nothing wrong with that. I love chaos. <laughs> I used yeah. to love I used to love um, those Thursday night um, games in the Western Athletic Conference back before the Big Twelve is was the Big Twelve of now, back when the WAC was was pretty much doing you know fifty eight yeah. to forty eight. Those were so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, I guess back to reality. Um, Matt Rule, you know I, he was one of the more impressive coaches of, of media days. He didn't get a lot of. Um, uh, outside media attention i will say like national um but from what he said you know given the awkward situation he's walking into and the definite things they need to address and, and some people are going to just take it as lip service but 
Um, I was definitely impressed with what he said. I thought that, yeah, there's going to be this, the standard level of lip service of we're doing this, we're doing that. But I really thought he took it a step further to really talk about the culture he's trying to instill and how it's not about what happened yesterday. It's about what happens tomorrow and he's re- and what he's responsible for. And, 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 yeah, he's learning from you know the mistakes that were made there. But um, I, I, I thought that was a huge thing. It's not necessarily fair for him or his team to deal with that it's not fair for the players that are there you know um you, there's articles out there where you can see it. players that are on the team right now that have done absolutely nothing wrong to anybody except for go to school get good grades and play some football you know they're getting death threats they're getting hate mail you know they didn't ask for any of this you know that that's the kind of stuff that that pressure it's not always fair for them to have to do with it but that's the that's the reality of the situation i mean it was caused by someone else but you know they're having to clean it up and they're responsible like it or not for that image so i was really impressed with what with what coach rule said yeah i think you're exactly right um he did he definitely took it a step further I mean, at the very least, Baylor needs to have some lip service. I mean, the way they've oh. handled everything over the last few years, I mean, just just somebody coming out there and just reading a cue card saying, we are very sorry. I mean, that was needed because they've handled this situation so poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Matt Rule definitely didn't just go out there and read a prepared statement. I mean, he did read a prepared his own prepared statement, but when he was – interview um interacting with the media at his press conference and was more you know kind of just stream of consciousness consciousness it really seemed like that there was some passion coming from his words that really seemed like that i'm not just saying this like this is what i'm trying to instill in the baylor program and he you know he pointed out himself that this is a christian this is a christian program this is a christian school and over the la- during the Art Bryles uh, tenure, you probably c- couldn't say that with a straight face to somebody you know in Texas or Oklahoma and not get laughed at. Um, but yes, it's definitely the beginning of a new, hopefully a new era at Baylor. You know, just from on the field, strictly football, I certainly love Matt Rule's pedigree. Um, he's definitely he brings a brand of football that I definitely want in this conference. More physical, more. Um, I guess what what's I'm I'm at a lost words. It's 11:30. Um, just more prototypical football and not flag football. Let's throw the ball 60 times a game that uh, some schools are doing now. Um, so having with that being said, his uh, interactions with the media, the things he said, that really made me gain a lot of respect for him, and I already had a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah, um, I mean, if anybody thinks that this is just lip service, we have spoken with recruits that have verbally committed to Baylor, and uh, or actually, you know, we spoke to a kid that signed with Baylor, and we we asked him why Baylor, you know, what about Coach Rule? And if you think it's just lip service, no, he's in the players' living rooms, he's in these recruits' living rooms, preaching, doing the right thing, and that's why they're going to Baylor. That's why he was able to turn the, the recruiting class he did, and that's why they're doing so well on the, on, on the recruiting trail right now. It's not just for the cameras. It, it's when they're going to recruits. It, it's everything. And it's interesting because out of all the Big 12 coaches, um, even, the, even the new ones like Herman and Riley, 
Matt Rule is a complete outsider. He's not from mm-hmm. he's not from the he's not from Texas. He's not from the South. He played at Penn State while he was in college. He just coached at Temple. This is completely new territory for him, and he's really just taking it by the horns and and going with it. And I, when he got the job initially, that recruiting class for Baylor was non-existent, and he made it a respectable class. So that's all. That's really. That's, I, I believe it was a top thirty class. Wasn't yeah, it? that 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 in itself is that deserves some type of recognition or some plaque or some, I don't mm-hmm. know, some ring. Everybody gets rings now. Give give Matt Rule <laughs> a ring. Give him a ring for February. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> speaking of rings, we'll kind of fast forward, I guess, to to Gundy. We need to get the show uh, wrapped up here, but um, and we still got two coaches to talk about. Uh, but going to Gundy. With his rings, the eleven and two. Did you see what he said about that on ESPN? No. What do you say? Oh, so they were talking. You know, he kind of got hosed in the Central Michigan game, and the the I forgot which interview this was a part of the car wash, but um, they basically said, you know, I agree with the coach, you know, stuff like that, and he's like, yeah, you know, that's why, you know, it, they they won that game, and and I don't care what anybody says, they won that game, and that's why I put eleven and two on the rings. And someone asked me why I did that, and I said because I'm paying for him and I can. <laughs> you know, I was like, so I mean, if if Coach Rule wants a recruiting ring, you know, go for it. Hey, whatever I'm, I mean, whatever four million a year can buy you, go for it. <laughs> Certainly, I saw that was awesome. He's like, because I'm paying for it, and I can. But what what about the what about the coaches what about the coaches at Central Michigan? What if they what if they made a kind of a retort ring? I, I guess that retort what, ring what, is putting their record on it. What right? was their what was Central Michigan's record? <laughs> was it nothing to write home about? <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I I mean they have uh, a really really solid solid quarterback. Um, that's really about. Oh, the... Chris Hush. They can just get T-shirts that say "We beat Oklahoma State" and then an asterisk next to it, and then on the back it explains in detail what had to transpire in order for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they put like the play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's certainly made for a really cool Aussie um, Aussie calls um, on YouTube. There's a, have you? I don't know if you've seen it. It's a video no. of some guy with an Australian accent calling the play. It's so funny. So after beating Oklahoma State, they went on to lose to Virginia. They lost to Western Michigan. They lost to Toledo, Kent State, Miami, Eastern Michigan, and Tulsa. Tulsa got them. Yeah, we, fifty-five they got you, to ten. They got you, Mike. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Totals like on a fifty-five to ten. Mm. Yeah, half a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, on a completely random quick note, I just wanted to share with you, man. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite NBA podcasts today. Uh, it's the Low Post, Zach Lowe from ESPN. He had Ryan Rosillo on, who's always. Like if you haven't got a chance to listen to his radio mm-hmm. show or, or watch it on um, ESPN during the day, it's really really good, and it's really good, really well balanced between NBA, NFL, college sports. It's really well balanced. Yeah. Um, but he brought up something that kind of deals with us um, with the Big Twelve. He was sharing some anecdote about the car washes that they do with ESPN, with the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and he said. Um, something about the SEC coaches coming and then the pack um, coming individually, and then the Pac-12 sending a private jet with all their coaches, you know, at the same time. And uh, apparently, the Big Twelve—I don't know if this was last year or the year before or whenever they started doing this—but um, I feel like it's fairly recent, given what I'm about to say. 
Apparently, the Big 12 called ESPN and asked, how come you haven't invited us? And then the ESPN rep, I guess, said, well, you you can invite yourself. This is more on you. I mean, these everybody else has invited themselves. And then Ryan Russello said that the Big 12 accused the um, ESPN of not inviting the Big 12 because they're trying to hype the SEC. <laughs> so it's not just us. It's not just yeah. fans. It's not just media. Even the big wigs, big wigs at the Big 12 think ESPN is dipping their hand in the cookie jar. Oh, 100%. I, if, if you don't believe that ESPN is somewhat skewing the message in favor of the SEC, in, even the Big 10 to some degree, um, pay attention. You know, Big 12 Media Days, one of, the, one of the other takeaways from that was a lot of local media, a lot of uh, beat writer um, like uh, – uh, website that you know, follow individual teams in you know, a lot of that coverage, a lot of a heavy, heavy Fox presence. Um, but ESPN was largely absent. Um, and they had a couple of guys, but no, nobody would, no one to get too crazy about. There wasn't a huge ESPN media presence there. And I was thinking about that a little bit. And it's probably because of, of you know, the car wash and you know, they're just going to have the coaches come to them. But then again, they're not interacting with all the players or anything else like that that comes to media days. And I do know from speaking – this was our first time, but speaking with some guys that had been going uh, to to media days for a few years now, it was very odd that ESPN didn't have – it was was definitely noticeable, their absence. Yeah, especially considering it's really awkward and weird to see, you know, Big 12 coaches – go on these national shows on ESPN and talk to guys from the Northeast, from the West Coast, that don't really care or deal with college football. I mean, you have you, I saw Lincoln Riley on first take, and I can't even remember the two guys he was talking to. It wasn't Stephen A. Smith, and it wasn't um, the other guy, the guy that used to do boxing, Max mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he's talking to guys that really only talk about the NBA. And so they they just ask them basic questions that they're probably, you know, they have just thought of right before they went on air or somebody mm-hmm. wrote for them, just basic or, questions. So it, it's a shame that ESPN doesn't, didn't have people down there to do, you know, more one-on-one stuff. I mean, I saw Bruce yeah. Feldman down there and he used to be with ESPN. He's went out with Fox, but you know, you don't have ESPN down there and guys that specifically deal in college football that actually yeah. know I mean, where, where some of these guys went to high school, went to college, um, have coached before, what their pedigree is, and asking them really good in-depth questions. But they're not. This isn't the SEC, so they just don't give a damn. Yeah, there's there's none of that in the car wash. When we're talking about coaches, they're on air for not even five minutes. You know, they're talking to Gundy about his mullet. You know, they're talking about this stuff, and they might throw in, "Hey, expectations are kind of high this year. How do you think you're going to do?" You know, they're not getting in depth with anything. You know, Big Twelve Media Days. It's all it's all day. It's two days. You know, they're not getting. So it's definitely not the same thing. So the fact that ESPN wasn't there kind of shows you how invested they are into the Big Twelve. Yeah, but it's gonna it's on the Big Twelve to perform. I mean, they certainly performed in the uh, um, postseason last year. They just really need to keep that momentum to make uh, to make media outlets want to cover this conference. It's on. It's on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Big Twelve starts winning, and ESPN will show up. And, and when I say not there and show up, I'm there were ESPN people there. There just weren't very many of them. 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't see, you know, Jesse Palmer. We didn't see no. Dave Pollock. Yeah. We didn't see, you know, the the person. Nobody you'd recognize, you know, to a large degree. There, there were yeah. some guys that you would recognize, but only a couple. And yeah. but whereas with Fox, you not you, you you we not only saw you know guys that you've probably never seen but have read their work, but we also saw the personalities, and that was the big difference. Yeah. And we've seen not, we saw the the Fox Big Twelve personalities, but we also saw the national media personalities, you know, with Matt Liner and and, and um, other guys there. So that it was it was a, a big con- uh, contrast to the level of coverage for sure. Really quick on Mike Gundy, give a few minutes on old Mike. We got to talk Snyder. It's only fair too. Didn't we? I thought we did. No, we? not really. We need to. We need to. I know this is getting long, and people are probably a little bit tired of listening to this point. But let's try to fix that. Unless uh, you're not tired of hearing us. <laughs> I mean, if they're listening at this point, probably not. Okay, we we could probably get away with saying all just kinds hit of crap that 15 right second skip for <laughs> yeah. a few times, and I'm sure you'll find something you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, with Snyder, there wasn't anything real groundbreaking. Um, you know, they asked about his health a little bit. He's doing well. He feels good. Um, but they didn't. No one really approached his. Uh, you know, will he or won't he retire at the end of the year? That kind of thing. Um, they look to have a good team. He's excited about it. To me, and, and I feel horrible saying this because the guy's a legend. But one thing, after looking at 33-year-old Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Rule and all these younger guys take the stage. When he was on stage, he looked old. And it was just – and Mike Gundy said this during Car Wash that, you know, every time he sees uh, Snyder, you know, in this – you know, over the last few years, he just finds it incredible that he's still coaching at that age. And, and it's true, but it does – look like that maybe it's starting to take its toll yeah i mean there's the obvious medical problems that were documented in the uh, right when the offseason began throat cancer uh, um nobody necessarily i mean barry trammell from the oklahoman asked him i believe the, the last question at his press conference specifically about that but mainly just how are you feeling kind of from a human human to human conversation not necessarily What's your status going forward over the next year or two? Um, yeah, it was it was definitely eye opening to see him in person and to it's one thing to see him on TV on the sidelines, see him in pictures. And yes, he is he is quite old. He's been at he's been at Kansas State since the late eighties. Um, yeah, but he is a, a player. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's not just amazing that he's there. It's amazing that he's there and he's. Kansas State is a great program. It's a solid team. Even even in years where they are not good, they're a team that you cannot – they're on your schedule for next week. Or do not put that down as an automatic win because while you may win, it might be the most grueling win of your life that you've watched. So you want to hear something pretty incredible? I do want to hear something pretty incredible. Kansas State just picked up a transfer, and, I, and off the top of my head, I, I do not know the kid's name, and I have to go back and look it up. But we do have the article if you go to the K-State – page i'm sure it's easy to find but they picked up a guy in fact while i'm talking about it i will do that so i can get the name um they picked up a guy actually i think it's eric gallon the second um he's a transfer coming into the program and his dad played for snyder 
Snyder's first year. <laughs> That's, That's incredible. incredible. Right? Like, I mean, we're talking about a transfer. So he's already a couple of years in the school and his dad played under Snyder. That's amazing. It, it, it truly is. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Well, I'm sure it may have happened with Joe Paw. Surely it happened with Joe Paw. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I mean, that that. How long did Bear Bryant coach at Alabama for? Like thirty years. And yeah. People in Alabama typically stay in Alabama, so I'm sure that that happened as well. But yeah, it, in today's <laughs> today's age, that's. I mean, I it. When that time comes, when Bill Snyder is no longer coaching at Kansas State for good, um, it's going to be very, very different. It's going to be – it's not going to be the Big 12, that I, the Big 10, the Big 8, the Big 12 that I grew up watching. It's yeah. going to be – I mean, it, it, it already felt different without Bob Stoops there. I mean, mm. obviously, this was our first Big 12 media day, but his lack of presence was certainly felt in both days considering every single coach pretty much gave a statement about him or was asked about, you know, now that Bob Stoops isn't here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Bill Snyder, if Bill Snyder indeed retires after the season, just we're getting older, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's, that's definitely true. We are getting older. Um, but yeah, Kansas, yeah. Kansas, with Kansas State, with Kansas State this year, you've got a team, and I think in our, both of our top fours in the conference – um, yeah, I, I have them number three. Um, the more and more I think about them, and I, you know, I don't want to get too big in predictions, but the more and more I think about them, I, I don't know. I, I just I can kind of see them make their way to Dallas for the Big Twelve title game. They're they're a team of that caliber. I I put West Virginia as well at four. I don't see West Virginia do um, go that far as of right now I basically have to see mm-hmm. it on the field with Kansas State I have a proven pedigree of they can perform over a complete over a year-long uh, season so I mean I don't know they're they they're, I don't think that they'd be a dark horse entry into the Big 12 I don't think a lot of people would be too surprised but I mean this looks like a really good last hurrah for um, coach Snyder yeah, and, and I think that the players kind of know it, whether it's been talked about or not. I think they can kind of see that and tell that. And and there isn't a person anywhere that doesn't want to send Snyder out a winner, let alone the people that play for him. And, and they'll they'll do anything to get those wins. It's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be tough. This conference, I feel, is much much improved from last year. Uh, much more balanced. It's gonna be exciting. Um, and a lot of people have, you know, now that Bob Stoops is gone, Oklahoma State is the the favorite in a lot of people's eyes to win the Big 12 and not only just win the conference but compete for a playoff appearance. And, you know, with Mike Gundy, it certainly seems – he certainly seemed confident. Yeah, he seems very relaxed. And, you know, he talked about his contract and now that he's got that behind him, you know, this team, the team, Mike Gundy, everybody seemed very, very relaxed. You saw, you know, uh, what Zach Siner was doing, the punter with his Heisman campaign. You know, obviously that doesn't happen without Gundy's approval. You know, that kind of stuff. Th- this team is, they're very confident in who they can be. You know, Gundy recognizes that, you know, there's some areas that they need to stay healthy at. But if they do, it could be a very, very special year. I think he feels very good about this team. Oh, definitely, and he he certainly should. Uh, 
you know, while Oklahoma returns a lot of talent, they they lost some key talent. Whereas Oklahoma State, and I know they lost some players on defense. Um, they have on paper the best triplets in the conference, and as we've seen in the Big Twelve, if you have the firepower to put points on the board, you're probably going to win the damn league. So it looks like while Bedlam is not at the end of the year again, it looks like that that matchup in Stillwater with uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State could decide at least one of the teams to make it down to Dallas. Um, Considering the game is in Stillwater, that probably plays into Gundy's confidence in his uh, relaxed nature at at, uh, Big 12 Media Day. Um, But overall... I'm really, I'm really, really excited to see how Oklahoma State can take that next step. They've always been able to put points on the board. It's always, it's going to, it's always comes down to their defense. And Gundy was really, he raved about the defense. He raved about the team speed. He raved about the depth. So, if you're an OSU fan, you've got to be excited. Yeah, I, I mean, the the receiving core is just insanely talented. You have um, Justice Hill who, you know, is getting pre all 12 running back. You have Mason Rudolph, a Heisman candidate, uh, you know, potential Heisman candidate. Um, you have a lot, a lot of weapons. That offense is going to be very hard to stop. Um, some questions on defense, but other than that, you know, yeah. I mean, it could. it's going to be a big, big year in the Big 12. And speaking of, the season's turning around the corner. Our next episode. What do you think? Give some predictions. Oh yeah, it's we're getting to that point in the year, man. Where I'm just, you know, basketball is pretty much over for me. Uh, free agency is pretty much <laughs> yeah. done, so it's it's all about football now. Like I said, I've been watching random games on YouTube while I'm, you know, doing housework. I just have it on. I'm starting to get into that mood. Um, while it's still 110 degrees, I can just kind of sense. A slight change in the air, you know. I don't know what it is, but just around after July fifteenth, stroke. Man, yeah, exactly. Probably, probably <laughs> me dying. Um, yeah. um, after July fifteenth, man, it's like football, zzz, just football mode, and I'm so excited. So yes, there will be some prediction shows where we can kind of get Fall into that. Yeah, yeah. Where we can dive into that fun off season banter. Yeah. So next, so next episode is going to be our predictions episode. Should be a really, really fun. Um, we'll probably record it later in the week this week. Um, it, it's going to be a blast. Look forward to that. We're going to get off of here pretty quick. I'll let Brady close it out, but we are running. I I don't have the how, – how late are we running right now? Uh, right now, this is an hour and 28 minutes. Oh, yeah, we're, we're running a little late. So Hey, it was all – it was a fun show. It was really good. I feel like probably, probably better – I think better than the um, episode one just because we're not exhausted. Yeah, maybe not. I, I do think in episode one, if you haven't listened to it, there's a lot of our uh, immediate, like, holy crap, this place is awesome, this event is awesome, you know, we'll, you'll get some very just raw hot take from that, so definitely uh, give that a listen. Um, if you're not already, give us a follow on Twitter, at the underscore LGG. That's a huge help. Also, we have new merchandise in the, in our merch store that's linked um onto the website you can go to the lgg.com it'll take you right to the website um check out the merch store some awesome stuff in there including a new big daddy coffee mug you know i spent months months scouring the internet trying to find that big daddy mug 
it's just not available. Um, it, it, it hasn't been made in a long, long, long time. So you know what? We said, let's make our own. So we drafted our own. It's kind of in some Oklahoma State colors for obvious reasons. Um, orange, black, and white. Definitely give that a look. We'll have, we'll have some new stuff going up this week. Very excited about um, Brady. It's been a blast. I'll let you take us out, man. Yeah, man. Um, love the new merchandise. Um, I'm actually about to, probably tomorrow when I get off work, I was actually going to start um, ordering some stuff for some friends and some family. Um, really looking forward to the season, man. Really looking forward to the season covering it with you and everybody else at Land Grant Gauntlet. Uh, looking forward to doing some more uh, podcasts. Looking forward to the prediction. Just looking forward to everything, man. It's that time of year um, where we find ourselves watching and talking about the best sport in the world, and that's college football. So, um, everybody, Thank you so much for sitting through an hour and 30 minutes of me and Chris talking about uh, the Big 12 on the Quick Slant Podcast for Land Grant Gauntlet. Um, Chris, uh, thank you for jumping on this late. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go to sleep now. Chris, I'm sure you're going to go to sleep too, although you had coffee, so you might be awake for another few hours. <laughs> but um, again, Life everyone. Lifeblood is coffee. <laughs> there you go. Um, everybody, thank you so much. I appreciate the listens and the follows and the questions. Appreciate all that. It really helps out. Um, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Um, leave um, a comment or a review on iTunes. Don't, I don't really care if it's bad. If it's bad, we need to improve. But for some reason, more com- um, more comments and more reviews really helps out the show. So if you've listened this far, just you know, sharpen that finger, put it on the keyboard and just say good podcast. That's all you got to do. And it would, I would mean the world to me and I'd appreciate it. But for Mr. Chris Ross, this is Brady Trantham and don't forget everybody. It's the big 12 versus the world. Thanks again. I'm done. I'm done. Are you kidding me? I'm done.